Welcome to The Daily Dose, natural health tips from clinicians, researchers, and faculty at the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine and Health Sciences. Evidence-based care brought to you by the SCNM Medical Center, Neil Vernon Center for Regenerative Medicine, and the Medicinary at SCNM, your trusted source for physician-grade vitamins, natural supplements, and herbal remedies. We're your hosts, Janet and Chris. Today's episode of The Daily Dose, we would like to welcome Dr. Sean Kennedy. Hi, Chris. Thank you for having me. Dr. Kennedy, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what you do at SCNM. Um, so my background is as an MD. So I graduated from the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine in 2016, finished two years of residency there, came on as an adjunct faculty member, and then progressed to assistant professor of nutrition at the school. And what brought you to naturopathic medicine? Uh, it was actually nutrition that brought me to naturopathic medicine, I'd say. I was fortunate to have those health concerns that could be modified by nutrition. So I was really excited at the potential of changing diet and seeing what happens. I was probably one of the first of the new class of people that self-experiment quite a bit, the N equals one studies where you test things on yourself to see what happens, which I'm not necessarily condoning <laughs> by any means, but experimenting with things like taking dairy out of my diet and stuff like that. I noticed pretty tremendous benefit in myself. And fortunately, I've been able to add stuff like that back in, but upfront, tremendous benefit to that. So I wanted to see how I could help other people doing that. My background was in fitness actually before this. So I was a personal trainer for a period of time. And we all know that nutrition is so important, but why does nutrition play a vital role in a person's health? This is an interesting idea. Um, there, there's a thought that once you come across information that it becomes self-evident at some point where it's kind of like, how do people not recognize this, <laughs> right? It takes time to realize that until you see the profound benefits in yourself or in someone else, it's hard to recognize what nutrition can do. So breaking this kind of idea down into a little more detail, I guess, I tend to look at nutrition from a couple different perspectives or maybe a few different perspectives. What you're eating has micronutrients in it. So the things that we need to do stuff in our body, right? So looking at vitamins and minerals, if we're looking at phosphorus, magnesium, potassium, vitamin C, these things do stuff in the body and we use them for a variety of things, whether it's staying healthy, keeping our energy, maintaining focus, or just staying alive, right? Keeping our heart beating. So we're lacking or we have an excess of the micronutrient, then we'll see that. Another thing to look at is the macronutrient components. This is where we're getting energy. Uh, we're looking at proteins, carbohydrates, and fats, and they get a lot of attention, I think. Those provide calories for us. They also do other important things in terms of in terms of like maintaining structure and stuff like that. One thing to look at for nutrition, another thing is to, uh, to look at what these foods are actually doing to our body from other mechanisms, right? So looking at what processed foods might do to us and how those impact us, right? Versus eating vegetables and fruits. Um, so there's a lot to unpack there, I suppose, but uh, those are some things to think about when you're constructing a diet for yourself. What is a sustainable amount of carbs to fats to proteins that someone should consume throughout the day? Um, and, and I guess like, why are these so important? Yeah, so this is a, a really somewhat simple and difficult thing to answer. I think that everything in nutrition is simple and difficult at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, our body will desire certain foods based on its requirements. That's where it's simple, right? So you're eating something, you're craving something, you'll eat it. Now there are some abnormal cravings, I guess they're considered <laughs> abnormal because they're foods that wouldn't exist, right? Like really sugary things we'll tend to crave. How much of that do we actually need is, is debatable, right? <clears throat> Looking at the individual components. So if we look at carbohydrate, you may or may not have heard that there's no dietary requirement for carbohydrate. You can, you can not eat any carbohydrate and still survive. 
right? Our body can produce sugar on its own through various processes in the body to keep our blood sugar stable. Now, you won't feel great going through that process to where your body can do that up front, but you'll adapt to it, right? Um, that's not to say that carbohydrates don't have a place, thinking of like the microbiome in the gut and stuff like that. Yeah. So then we move on to protein and protein is necessary to be able to eat, not saying where it's coming from in particular, but it's necessary. And the interesting thing about protein is that in, in studies that have been done, and I've included a study here that we can keep with the show notes, the different animals and humans alike have been studied to see what kind of protein requirement they need, right? You'll see a lot of numbers tossed around, but there have been studies done using comparable food products that have higher and lower amounts of protein in them and humans seem to desire the higher protein ones in certain instances. Uh, not only that, but when certain animals are restricted on protein, they'll tend to overeat until they get the right amount of protein with whatever they happen to be eating. And so there's a lot of recommendations in the field of nutrition to kind of eat protein to, to desire almost which should decrease, it, it almost becomes <laughs> repulsive to you if you eat too much of it in certain instances. Um, so we need protein for maintenance and keeping our body healthy, our immune system, all kinds of things, right? The requirement for protein is different. So an estimate is about 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. That's kind of a general recommendation. So what does that actually look like in pounds? Because we're in the United States. 150-pound um, person requires about 56 grams of protein. Right. So 56 grams of protein is pretty modest. Um, for instance, if you if you have meat in your diet and you were to eat uh, three ounces worth of beef, that's about 22 grams of protein. Three ounces of beef is about enough to fit in the palm of your hand. Unless you have really large hands or really small hands, <laughs> that changes a little bit. So that's that's about 22. That's about almost half your requirement in the day with just three ounces. Right. And that changes whether you're using like nut butters and stuff like that. The last one to look at is fat, right? And so fat, we do have a requirement for it. Interestingly, it'd be in the foods that you're eating more often than not. Almost without exception, there's going to be a small amount of fat in everything that you're eating, whether that's from plants or anything like that, even a small amount. Some, are, some foods are a lot more rich in fat and it provides a great source of calories. And so uh, something to keep in mind with this is that if, if you're limiting carbohydrates in a certain aspect, then fat's going to take a larger role in your diet. If you're limiting fat, then carbohydrates are going to take a bigger role but kind of protein stays a little bit consistent in there depending on your own situation um, in terms of like how many calories you need of each that's a little debatable really flexible based on the person essentially you're wanting to make sure that you're meeting your protein requirements and then you can kind of fill in the gaps elsewhere based on your calorie needs uh, if you're not moving around a lot like like nowadays where people are stuck inside a little bit, your calorie requirements are down, <laughs> which is nice. And you're not going through a lot of food and having to go to the store and stuff like that. Right. So how do people find out how many calories they need? Or is there an online resource that we can yeah, recommend? Tremendous amounts of online resources that will kind of calculate that for you based on your activity level. Um, it's helpful in these situations not to overestimate your activity level, where if it says you're an extreme athlete, and you're walking three days a week, that that's not, not necessarily accurate. It's going to calculate in a lot more calories for you. You can use online websites. One of the apps that I like is called Chronometer. Um, something that I use, I'll use with my patients as well, that kind of tracks your food, but it will also give you a calorie count based on your meats. Right? So we all have a, what's called a basal metabolic rate. So our baseline amount of calories we need just to exist. Mm -hmm. And then you add more on top of that based on your activity. For those who may be short on food or are trying to get the biggest bang for their buck during a time like today, which types of food groups are the most beneficial for people to consume? 
first and foremost, the most important thing is making sure that you're meeting your, your requirements, right? Meeting your calorie needs, basically. Right now, it doesn't seem that the food system has really been tremendously affected by what's going on. That stores are still filling up. You're still able to get access to vegetables and meats and things like this. Might be limited in some sense, depending on where you live, absolutely. And then there's the financial resources component. So being able to purchase things. So first and foremost, having food is important. Then what do we emphasize in this? So going back, going back to the discussion right before this is looking at like protein content, which is going to be one of the things that you're going to want to find. Um, that will be one of the challenges kind of initially. And so you can do that through a variety of things, whether you're doing like rice and beans, you're doing nut butters, you're doing meats, you can meet those protein requirements. Looking at expense, right? You'll see people tend to opt for maybe more plant-based sources of protein sometimes because they tend to be a little bit cheaper. You can buy a giant bag of beans and get a significant amount of protein from that. So if, if cost is a factor of availability, that's something that you can usually find. On the other side of that, if people are buying up all the quality meat products, all the grass-fed meats and all this and the, the wild-caught game and things like that, you can't find that. In a time like this, I think it's perfectly acceptable to use like cheaper cuts of meat potentially that you can still use to meet that need. So kind of meeting yourself where you're at during these times, whether it's financially or available resources is important. I find uh, dietary fats to be helpful during a time like this for calories and for storage. Certain oils, coconut oils, olive oil, things like that do store for a significant amount of time and they don't take up much space. They're super calorie dense. Meaning that for the amount that you eat, it has a lot more calories than, say, protein or carbohydrate would have. So that was one of my first purchases during this was to stock up on some coconut oil because I can always use it to kind of weight down something that I'm eating and get calories if I needed to. But then we turn to things like fruits and vegetables and meats to get our protein, our minerals and our vitamins and stuff like that. Right. And in this situation, I wouldn't tell people to shy away from like frozen foods or even canned foods if you needed to in terms of like vegetables and fruits, just to be getting some of the nutrients in our system instead of like being really particular at this time that your, yeah, your local farmer's market's been shut down. doesn't mean you should just stop eating healthful foods at that time. Are there different food groups that touch on different benefits? Yeah, I, I think that that's the, maybe the way to look at it. It's kind of like as you tune up one thing, you tune down something else a little bit. Uh, looking at fat as a source of calories, right? So fat has a tremendous source of calories in it, but it's not going to be really heavy in the micronutrient department. So vitamins, minerals, um, and it's not going to have the protein component in there. So you can use it for calories if you needed to. So say your diet's composed of a lot of vegetables and then you wanted some calories in there for energy, you could mix in some coconut oil, right? That's an idea. Um, looking at protein, a lot of our protein sources will also have micronutrients in them, whether that's coming from animal tissue, whether that's coming from plants, or it's coming from grains that are fortified to have other nutrients in them. Um, those can provide some of the nutrients that we need, like our B vitamins, looking at vitamin C and a variety of other things right i'm a big proponent of like organ meats and people who've been around me know that that they're they have a tremendous amount of nutrient and they're pretty cheap right now not a lot of people are running to the store for liver during this time <laughs> um there are different ways to prepare them and stuff to maybe make them taste a little bit better but they have a tremendous amount of nutrition in them for relatively few calories mm -hmm. if you're looking at other foods so 
trying to stay healthy during this time and getting what we need, right? Governmental regulations or uh, suggestions at this time during time of pandemic, especially during COVID-19, is to kind of do what people have always been doing. Create a plate that has some vegetables with it. If you wanted to create the bases like a starch or a grain, that's something you can do that you can get a protein component from. If you're somebody who's not in the community of eating grains, then you just structure it a little bit differently, emphasizing maybe some fruits, vegetables, and like a protein if you're looking at a fish or something like that. In this time, you just have to be really flexible based on what you do find. Fortunately, a lot of the healthy foods are still on the shelves. I've had uh, an overabundance of like sardines and stuff like that, oysters, these really healthful foods that some people don't want to touch. (laughs) So maybe now is the time to experimenting with alternate sources of reaching those food groups, like your proteins and your starches, maybe trying some new alternatives to what you're familiar with. Some nutrient-dense foods like nuts and seeds are fantastic. Some of my personal favorites are like sprouted pumpkin seeds or sprouted sunflower seeds have a ton of nutrition in them. Also pack a wall up in terms of calories. Don't take up much space and have a long shelf life. So they meet all those criteria. Nut butters would be similar in that situation. Um, So I really like those nut during this time. Not taking up a lot of space and they last for a while. Kind of keeping our immune systems in check during this time. So realistically, if most of us were to go fast during this time for a period of time, we have enough reserves as long as we're getting water and some minerals in our system to last off off of our body fat storage for a prolonged period of time. I wouldn't recommend that without supervision and maybe not the best for your immune system in the acute. But we, we have a lot of storage in our bodies often. Um, I can't speak for all people, but many of us have enough to get by. So that might not be the immediate concern, but long-term looking at micronutrients and things like that and staying healthy, that might be something to pay attention to. And, and what we do know at this time is that there are certain risk factors for COVID-19. And one of those that's come up a lot is type 2 diabetes. And this has a history that's dated back a long time with viral infections, H1N1, there was an association as well. Why this is happening, I don't believe is clear yet. It would be nice and easy to say that it was, oh, the sugar content or the high sugar load in the body is causing this. Seems to be the case in bacterial infections, but when we're looking at viral infections, it's not as clear. It might be due to blood vessel damage and different things like that that are affecting the immune system and making us making individuals with type 2 diabetes more susceptible to complications. I mean, we're still waiting on a lot more data to come out to, to prove that one way or another, I suppose. And that's medicine, right? It's just yeah. constantly evolving and we're always learning new things. For sure. So I've included an article that kind of touches upon different research studies that have been done looking at how sugar affects our immune system in the short term. Within even like the first hour or two of eating sugar, it can make a noticeable change to our immune system. And that seems to be a negative thing in terms of what it's doing. And we're talking about simple sugars, right? Things that are readily digestible sugars that are absorbed pretty quickly. So part of my thought in this process is to kind of eliminate that spike in sugar. So not going for your processed foods. It's basically a pitch not to be eating a lot of chips and stuff like that during this time, if you can help it. I know that this is uh, probably the time for emotional eating for us, something to make us feel better. And so that was part of my thought is, Let's emphasize foods that increase satiety or our feeling of feeling satisfied with what we eat. Proteins, fats, and fiber have a really big part in that. So fiber in the carbohydrate component can expand in the stomach and make you feel full where you're not prone to overeating. Protein leads to satiation where you might not be forced to overeat in your next meal. And fat has a similar ability to do that. But these simple carbohydrates actually 
tend to increase the amount that you eat the next time you do eat. And so it might make you just constantly snack while you're at home. And that might be a detriment to your immune system. Uh, not perfectly proven at this point, but it's just a suspicion that that might be the case. As we're on the topic of treating your body right and nutrition, I love to end each episode with a simple question about what is your personal favorite self-care exercise, just so we can give the audience and the listeners something to try at home while they are trying to weather this storm right now. I'm going to answer this with two responses, I suppose. Two of my favorite things, because I can't pick just one. Uh, One thing I really emphasize in my life and always have is sleep. Sleep is number one, trying to go to bed at a reasonable time every night and trying to keep a set schedule with that. Our body deals with routine really well. It kind of um, seems to perceive lack of routine as a stress. So if you can go to bed at the same time and try to wake up at the same time, it gives your body the ability to kind of maximize its function. So sleeping, what that means for me is sleeping eight and a half, nine hours a night. So I get a lot of work in during the day and I'm sufficiently tired by that time. So eight and a half, nine hours, if you can make that happen, then do it. Wonders for your immune system, your hormone system, all kinds of stuff. Um, the other part is intermittent fasting has been a tremendous benefit to my life. I, again, wouldn't recommend this without kind of supervision, right? Going to your primary care physician or your naturopath to see if it's right for you. Um, I personally do an 18 hour fast every day. So I I have an eating window where I eat from 1 PM to 7 PM. That's generally my window. I, I move it as I need to. I think even a 12, 13, 14 hour fast each day, which is kind of just not eating late at night is a really beneficial thing for us. It seems to do uh, wonders for our energy, for our appetite. People notice a lot of benefit to their gut health and stuff like that. Just reducing that constant bombardment of food that our body has to deal with. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Kennedy, for joining us today and telling us all about nutrition and what we can do to fuel our bodies in this time. Well, thank you very much for having me, Chris and Janet. I appreciate it. Stay safe and stay healthy out there. Hey, you do the same. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other. This has been Janet. And this is Chris. Tune in tomorrow for another episode of The Daily Dose Podcast.